Greetings, my name is Frederick Kozak. I am the president of Appia Rare Earths and Uranium Corp. Uh, we are a Canadian-based critical materials company. We have assets in Northern Saskatchewan in the Athabasca Basin, which are exposed to both rare earth elements and uranium, as well as a historic uh, uranium uh, deposit in uh, Elliott Lake in Ontario. Now, the one thing I should note about uh, Northern Saskatchewan is it is one of the best uh, mining jurisdictions in Canada and has been consistently ranked as a very high, highly ranked uh, mining jurisdiction. But the rare earths that Appia have found to date appear to be one of the richest rare earths uh, occurrences globally with 16.65% uh, total rare earth oxides. Lovely to meet you, Frederick. I think we've been trying to do this for a while. We've certainly been keen to uh, for, for, for some time, so I appreciate you coming on the show. We've not met or spoken before as well, so I think if you don't mind today, what I'd like to do is just get a sort of broad understanding of what Appy is trying to do, because I noticed things like name change uh, during the year, also there's going to shift to a bit more prominence of the rare earth component of the story. I know you've been you know, finding it, but um, you want people to start taking notice of it too. So can we just start with um, when this change in um, mentality or, um, you know, in terms of the story happened and why? Sure. Um, well, listen, uh, Appia has always been, Appia started out more as a uranium-focused company with the assets in Ontario. And in the northern Ath Athabasca basin of, of Saskatchewan, uh, it's prone for uranium. There are a lot of historic uranium mines. If you go to the eastern basin, there's a lot of uranium uh, development underway. Some of the majors in the world uh, produce from there. Now, the rare earths were found, um, They there is an, the way they occur in nature is not directly associated with uranium, but you do have them in a similar province. And this is all Canadian shield, hard rock, so it is, it is prone for the rare earths. When they were initially discovered on the Alsace Lake project by, uh, by the exploration team, um, it, was a, it was a program that commenced slowly, but um, given, the, uh, given the importance and the increasing importance in electric vehicles, clean energy, uh, and now critical materials, a decision was taken to um, spend more time and money on uh, trying to delineate and explore for the rare earths, in addition to the exploration of uranium that is an, uh, that still continues within Appia. So, so how do you how do you do that so, as a junior with limited cash? I know you've raised um, money a couple of times this this year, um, which is going to allow you to. Well, it, but you better tell us. So why did you raise the money a couple of times this year? What, what are you trying to do with that money? Well, we've ra you're, thank you for bringing that up. We've raised money a couple of times this year. And uh, we have a great uh, vehicle in Canada. It's called Flow Through Shares, which allows you to flow through the tax benefits to your investors. Uh, we, did, uh, we also did some flow throughs at the end of last year as well. So we started this year with a planned $5 million program. We had more than enough cash on the balance sheet to fund it, but we also took the opportunity in the spring to raise some flow through as well as some hard equity dollars. And uh, that gave us, uh, that's given us enough money to complete this year's program, which was expanded to 
we were going to drill 5,000 meters. Now we're probably going to drill at least 7,500. It could be as many as 10,000 meters of, of diamond drill core. And then the opportunity to raise some more money this fall, again, into the flow-through funds, gives us a really strong balance sheet as we look into uh, this year's program and into starting next year's drilling program. One of the things we did this summer it, with the additional capital that we had is we built a all-weather camp so we could literally uh, work there throughout the winter, although I'm not sure northern Saskatchewan you would want to be there in the depths of winter, but we have the capacity to do that. So it was all about... Um, expanding our balance sheet, having a strong balance sheet, as you noted, you know, being a junior, you just never know when you can raise money. Well, that's the, you see, these are, these are clues into the way that the management team think. Obviously, Uranium's had a, had a couple of bumps al along the way in the last uh, 12 months, right? It's had a, a good year generally across the board. Certainly, some of the Athabasca players have seen that and, and most of the uh, Africa assets too. So you've used that to raise some capital, flow through or otherwise. Um, but you're not actually going to spend it chasing the uranium. You're going after rare earths too. And this is the bit that kind of, you know, people need to try and understand, or I need to try and understand, which is small junior with a little bit of money, you're going after two quite distinct markets, energy and battery metals. And it, well, certainly automotive, let's say, I'm not quite sure what you're going to be producing. Um, and you know, you've got very different audiences there. Rare earths traditionally quite hard. Ch you know, ex-China projects don't tend to do well. So again, what gave you the confidence to move into that space? Great question, because when it comes right down to it, it's all about your being the lowest cost producer. Now, uh, one of the things that is really critical about Appia is that you've seen some of the pictures in our presentations. So our rare earths, which are, uh, constant, which are coming from monazite, have a much higher degree of the critical rare earth elements, including neodymium and praseodymium, the, the permanent magnet materials. So that makes it first and foremost, very, very attractive because as we know, the world right now can barely supply its current demand, Never mind the 5X that they're talking about in the next 10 years. But, you know, rare earths are not all that rare. They are everywhere in the world. However, the critical thing is that the cost of extraction. We've got rare earths that are on surface in massive occurrences. Like I've stood on the boulders and they're, you know, they're too long to, uh, they're too long to, to measure. Well, I mean, too long, not too long to measure. Obviously, you measure them, but they're too long to even describe versus how you usually find monazite, if it's not a monazite sand, is very fine-grained monazite crystals, for lack of a better word, in the, in the base material. So we've got a naturally concentrated monazite occurrence that we're now delineating at Alsis Lake. Our program this year is... Uh, on the original discovery, the what we call the WRCB zone, which is an amalgam of four different names, um, we've, we're going to drill at least probably on the order of just over 5,000 meters on that. That's more than all the drilling that's been drilled on Alsis Lake in the previous four years combined. So we've got a very near surface um, looks like a very high concentration, high quality rare earth deposit. 
or discovery. And then we are looking at the ability to, in theory, extract it economic, very economically and become one of the low-cost producers. But it's the, it's the theory bit, which, which is the, that's the bit that people need to focus on because from where you are today to the delivering the in theory bit is you've got a lot of work to do. So again, it comes back to the money. Where do you deploy your money? Where do you see value in your company's assets today? Because you, you sat around for quite a while on the uranium assets, like all uranium uh, juniors, Market wasn't really doing much for you until I guess the like the end, end of uh, twenty twenty. We had a little, a little bump, and then again a couple of little bumps this year. You've decided you, what you're going to park that up and get focused on trying to prove that theory of scale, and you've got grade scale, which will answer the economic question. Is that where the money's going, or are you you going to spread yourself thin? That's the others of danger here. Uh, well, we won't spread ourselves thinly. Um, we do. I would just highlight that the Elliott Lake project in Ontario has a 43101 resource report on it. So it is from a proven historic mine. And, you know, the obvious is that uranium prices have not supported uh, continuing operations there. Uh, on the uranium side in uh, northern Saskatchewan, though, we have been drilling over the years, uh, small, small programs. And, you know, we just finished some geophysics and we're well we finished some radiometrics now we're doing a vtem survey over a couple of the projects and these are near surface high quality high grade which would be consistent with what uh you know the idea is you get that stuff out of the ground economically the reason obviously for um spending the bulk of our time on Alsace Lake is that it is appears to be such a high quality occurrence and the question is, uh, you know, drilling, we're drilling towards getting a 43101 report for this year out of this year's program. And then the next step will be, whether it be a PEA or, or whether more drilling is required. It's, it's a little bit early, but we, are, we have a very good understanding of the geology and we are testing the model and just, uh, I mean, basically figuring out how much, how much is the, the resource going to be there. Okay, so the name is now Apia Rare Earths and Uranium Company, yep. right? Not yep. Apia Uranium and Rare Earths. So again, is that a clue about the focus of, of the company? In which case, I've got to ask, would you look at some point to spin out or get rid or sell or whatever the uranium component because you don't see the potential that you do with the Rare Earths? Well, that's always a, you know, when you have companies that have a have a, a a set of diverse assets like that, there is always the question as to are is the market giving you value for your uranium and giving you the value for your rare earth uh, assets? The question then becomes: Is there does it make sense to shareholders to go? Okay, shareholders, you know, maybe it's better that you take the company and. and send it in two different directions, uh, raise money to accelerate the uranium while the uh, rare earths are being uh, driven forward as well. You know, we're very, one of the things about, uh, about the rare earths is, you know, that the Saskatchewan Research Council in Saskatchewan is building Canada's first rare earths processing facility. So there is, it'll be 3000 tons per year, at least initially, there, 
uh, is an opportunity for us, you know, literally a thousand kilometers away from Saskatoon to be one of the feed sources for their facility, which again is part of the uh, development scenario in that if you've got a, a processing facility that close to your extraction point, then you you can drive the economics because now all of a sudden our economics of infield development have got that much better. Right. So we talk, you know, I use the phrase ex China. So just, and you're, you're an ex analyst uh, who knows a lot about Rora. So um, pick me up if I get anything wrong here, but for a long time, China, and I know you've got Jack Lifton on the board too. It's very intimidating. So we've got, uh, uh, sorry, as an advisor, I should say it's um, ex- anything outside of China, was always going to have their ability to control their own margins, their own destiny, controlled by what China decided to do anywhere along that food chain, right? So again, it comes back to that question of earlier. What gives you the confidence that you can make it? Despite, yeah, I, I get the Saskatoon facility, and that's great that, that Canada's you know fun, funding that, but you need a whole bunch more moving parts, and 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 you need to know where you fit into those into that sort of chain of players. So. What is giving you the confidence that you can do this, that Canada is going to allow you to be successful? Well, Canada and the U.S. have signed off on a critical materials agreement, you know, looking to build the North American supply chain. The 49th parallel in this case may or may not be imaginary. But again, it comes down to the big question when you say ex-China. The world has recognized the fact that Um, You know, China is not necessarily the enemy, but they're certainly not friendly in some regards. So there is at all levels, both federally and provincially in Canada, an interest in developing that critical materials. You know, both countries, Canada and the U.S., have a list of critical materials, which is, you know, 30 odd items uh, of which they've just lumped rare earths in as one item, even though there's 17 of them. And there is, you know, there is a drive to go ahead to have this as one of the Canadian, one of the Canadian staples. And you see our, you know, at the at the recent climate change and the G20 conference, the Prime Minister of Canada, you know, he's standing up and taking a lead in terms of the clean energy drive of which eliminating hydrocarbons emissions is part and parcel of that. The drive to go to, no pun intended, electric vehicles and wind turbines and you know even solar cells and that sort of thing, which requires all of these critical materials. So if we have it, they will come. And so far, it looks like we have something very, very significant to be determined just how big, but yeah. We think there is there is a drive, at least in North America, and then, of course, North America is talking with the EU, and everybody's getting on the same page. You know, the fact that Energy Fuels is exporting a rare earth oxide to Estonia, to the Neo Performance Materials Refinery, is, you know, it is just a very thin chain in that, but it, I think it, it represents what may, may be happening. So... Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, so Canada and the USA working together um, on the kind of critical minerals list. We're all friends here around the table. But 
Does that mean that you have got the option of using something like uh, the White Mason Mallet for, with energy fuels? Or do you, are you, because I'm trying to work out how Canadian is this, or is it just North American? In which case, I guess there's a lot more options on, on the table for you. NDPR, yeah, great. It's in huge demand for North American automotive manufacturers. But how, at what point do you start having to work out how you plug yourself into that system? Or, or are you just selling in the open market and it's a case of first come, first served, and you're not really in control? Yeah, what I think is going to happen, and that's a very good question. I mean, whether it is a Canadian silo and an American silo, uh, you know, that's how things happen in a lot of instances. But, uh, you know, at the outset, we have something that's very valuable, valuable to anybody who makes anything with a permanent magnet. <clears throat> and you could... Well, you see the headlines all the time about how the end users, the automotive manufacturers, are now starting to look at how are they going to integrate their supply chain. In essence, you know, let's say, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of who I saw in the headlines recently, but let's say Mercedes is going to uh, come knocking on energy fuels door to say, okay, well, you guys have a supply of X, you're doing the monazite sand. We want, to, we want to hook up with you. We want to tie up a portion of your supply so that we have a guarantee. And how does that, how does Appia fit into that? Um, well, we have to, first, of, first and foremost, we have to prove up the size of what we have. And are we going to strictly plug into SR, Saskatchewan Research Council's facility and then sell out the, to, into the open market? Or do we align ourselves with somebody else that is to be determined but you know there's there there's the option of doing it both ways whatever makes strategic sense from our shareholders point of view because as you know we're a public company we have to do what's best for our shareholders and their value and then being also part of the global solution of clean energy Etc. Right. Okay. So I want to move it away from theory to reality. So I like the fact that there's options because it means there's competitive tension. It means you don't get squeezed on margin um, by you know only having one option. Um, great. Let's go back to this. As you correct, correct said, you've got to show that you've got scale here. So you've got an amount of money. It's it's not huge. So how do you go about doing that over the next twelve months or so? Well. Um with the drilling program that we have underway, we're, we're not finished yet, and we have a lot of samples in for testing. And as we get the assays and we evaluate them and we plug them into our geologic model to figure out what have we got, where are we going with it, that will be the part that then generates the NI43101 uh, report. So that will be a, a formal resource report of some sort that will give us the idea of what the independent third-party consultancy with our, with our uh, Al Alsace Lake project. The next step then is to go, okay, well, if they've defined this, then can we expand it? Do we need to expand it? Or can we go straight to a, a preliminary economic analysis of some sort? Uh, so right now it's a, it's, it probably means we we need to do we may need to do some more drilling next year, but we have enough. We once we close this financing, we will have enough money on our balance sheet to do that. We will be funded for a program next year 
to uh, which could in fact be similar to the size of program we did this year. Uh, the program this year, I mean, we put a million bucks into our new camp on site. So that's something we don't have to spend money on. And you, you know, you put more money into the ground, but out of this year's program, the analysis will tell us what does next year look like? And, you know, is it, do you go in and are you putting in holes every five meters as a delineation of how you're going to develop it or, or do you need to find some more, find some more uh, resource within the properties? Right. And with the money you're, I know you haven't announced the closing yet, but you've talked about upsizing at the 7 million bucks, but are you, is there an expectation from the people who invested in, in, that, in that private placement that you're going to be spending the money on purely on the rare arts component or is there, has there been some allocation towards the uranium? Well, um, we haven't really had that as a conversation. We, I mean, we are clear about our, that we were going to do some uh, uranium exploration this year, and uh, we're flying the we're flying the geophysics right now. And typically, everybody, as we all know, geophysics leads to potential for drilling. So there is the expectation that we may uh, we'll probably do some drilling on the uranium properties, but that's uh, to be determined once we evaluate and analyze and and machinate on the geophysical data. Right. So, yeah, the geophysics leads, leads to drilling, but it, it, it identifies targets, and targets are just mm -hmm. targets, anomalies, yes. targets, right? They're, they're not discoveries yet. Um, so I'm just wondering in terms of having sort of been through a few years of just you know, static market for uranium, whether the board is eager to get going and, you know, create some headlines, capture some attention, because you're sitting at it. What's your market cap today? Uh, we're 75 cents Canadian, which would give us just over 100 million, I think. Right. Okay. Some simple math in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's it, okay. So it's it, it's all. I mean, it's better than it was 12 months ago. Better than it definitely was uh, 24 months ago. So it's all, all all good news. But at the same time, you got some long suffering shareholders expecting you to try and or hoping that you'll be able to take advantage of this market and then or the uranium market and then you've kind of jinked left off to rare earths because you think well actually i think we can get more value over here so is, has that caused some uh consternation in the marketplace that people are like well what what are they playing at what sort of questions have you been having to answer at you know shareholder meetings or questions sent in well, I think uh, we've had a lot of positive response to our name change execution. It was actually approved at our shareholders meeting earlier this year. And um, I think a lot of shareholders uh, have looked at Appia over the years. Yes, I wouldn't call them long suffering. I think they're all pretty happy right now. Um, especially if you know some of them took some money out a few months ago to $1.20 Canadian. But they recognize we you're right we have those two distinct asset bases and it is uh you know it may be how do we unlock the value in terms of the uranium assets versus the rare earths uh, right now we're bifurcated but the focus is on the rare earth processing facility or processing focuses on the rare earths delineation to see if we can't be a, a one of the feed stocks for saskatoon 
for the for the processing facility in Saskatoon. That's kind of a no-brainer. And then given the proximity of the Athabasca Basin uranium properties to the existing facilities up there, then there is, you know, it's almost, it's still two, two parallel paths. But, but it's kind of one of those difficult things, you know, um, I think Athabasca known for high grade uranium, all good news. Also yep. known for long permitting process and trouble with First Nations and things like that too. So it, it's, it's not a quick win. The great projects, great grades, you know, and you, you know, very efficient drilling, right? So all, all good stuff, but comes with problems. Is that part of the decision making that you, in terms of just saying, well, like, do you know what? I think the quicker win, the better win is this rarer stuff. Because this, this, this whole, you know, the, the magnet side of the business, it's in huge demand, 5x growth over the next, well, you said, you said 10 years. I, th- I think it's probably shorter than that. The numbers get, it's no, getting like bigger and bigger every week. Think, yeah. <laughs> so it's all, yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's exceptional market, right? So is that, is that again, is, it's just like you're saying, I've got to, we've got to place our bets somewhere. So the thing I'm trying to dig you out about is, come on, let's be honest. You've got to you, you've got to focus on something. You've got to get known for something. Be, doing two different distinct markets, trying to operate in two distinct markets, it's going to be tough. It's going to be more expensive, surely. So the quick win for you and get a big, bunch of cash in, surely, is offloading the uranium. Yeah, and that that is a decision that has not been uh, has not obviously not been taken. I mean, a public company, obviously, you have to disclose everything. It is, you know, you look at it from from what we talked about before, and that is, you know, at what point in time do you say, okay, shareholders, we see a better value for you as two separate entities, um, you know, particularly in the uranium space right now where things are hot, um, you could do that. We haven't, you know... It, haven't done haven't done anything on that because we are still we have been focused on the rare earth space absolutely and you know we are working on the uranium but it you know it does take more time and all of those issues um, in terms of northern Saskatchewan we're working closely with all the indigenous uh, sorry we're working closely with all the First Nations and a treaty and non-treaty. Uh, so the Métis as well. So we're, you know, we have great dialogue with them. We're engaging. We're very supportive of them and, you know, coming to all of having them part of the part of the process. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, what makes most sense for our shareholders and. But you can't make that decision. We, you can't make that decision without actually, because I'm curious you must be mm. curious, but what do you think you could get for them? So you're going to have to go through a process and work out, well, how do you value that bit of the business? You know, and that's got to be a way, you're not, yeah, come on, you're ex-analyst. You're not going to do the CEO over undervalued thing. You want to put an actual number on it, DCF or otherwise, and say, I think this would be a reasonable price to get from the market, given where we think uranium's going. You know, for someone, leave enough on the table for someone to capture value further down the line, but for us to capture enough value today to get this rather exciting, Quite sexy, rare earth thing going and like going meaningfully. So, I mean, is there a process that, is there a point at which you're going to make a decision about instigating a process to get a value on the uranium bet? Great question. Um, Thinking, you know, we've, we've all seen bubbles in the market. And the question is, you know, are we just opportunistically looking at 
spinning those assets out? Or is this is this real for the uranium space in that it makes sense to do that as opposed to just creating a new uranium company that is good for a couple of years and then the market says, yeah, we don't like uranium anymore and it's, it's stranded versus keeping those assets within Appia. I mean, the first thing we could do would be to take our existing 43101 report on the Elliott Lake project, update it for current costs, current pricing and go, here's the value of Elliott Lake to our shareholders. And is it accurately reflected in our market cap and our, our you know, the market's estimation of our value? Uh, that's always, you know, I, I know as an ex-analyst, I'm, I'm undervalued. Of course I am. Uh, but when does it make sense that you have a set of assets that are, are significantly not recognized by the market that it, it makes sense to do that? And it's, it's, it's twofold. It is, as I say, it's what is the long-term view of uranium and uranium expiration uh, you know, as the world works toward net zero, it's a big problem because the sun doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. We've seen this uh, all around the world recently, in fact. Um, you can have tidal power uh, or you can have hydroelectric, but, you know, they're having a drought in the, in the Western U.S. and their reservoirs are down, well, not just the Western U.S., but... Uh, uh, their reservoirs are way down. So now all of a sudden your clean energy uh, resources are strained. So to get to net zero, I know uranium and nuclear power has not been, has not been in favor for many, many, many years. The world's got to adopt and adapt to more nuclear power, to clean power, to, you know, there's yeah, no, no, we, no, no we, we talk about every week on our uh, weekly energy show, you know, mm -hmm. nuclear is green now. It wasn't always thus. Uh, we've got lots of other shows where, where we talk about batteries and how renewables feed into it and, you know, you know, where, where there's money to be made and, and, uh, where there's money to be lost. You know, we talk about it weekly. It's, it's a bit, it's a big topic, but I want to talk mm -hmm. about you though. The, you know, the question is about you guys and when the timing of when you start making decisions about what you do with it, whether you just, just let it just sit back there. Cause if you, you could update it 43.1 reasonably quickly, but you need to throw some mm -hmm. cash at it, but you haven't, you decided not to. So that tells us something. So, and, you know, and you, and you, you focus on, on rare earths tells us something. So it's just a fair question. Lots of people ask it and going, mm -hmm. what's the intent here going forward? Well, we are, we are paying attention. Uh, I mean, there are things obviously we can't talk about without disclosing them to the market. So we're paying attention. It's not, your point is not lost on me and on us as a, as a company and as a management team and board um, to be determined uh, based on all of the things that we've talked about. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, so in terms of moving forward, you've got money, and to you've got to close this this um, private placement. You'll make decision about how much of that goes goes in the ground, but it is going to be predominantly rare earths focused. You do understand. I know you understand the rare earths market extremely well, as does. Uh, Jack is advising you. So it's a, it's a question of we should expect to see as an investor, we should expect to see from you more movements. On the rare earths front, not just drilling, but but otherwise, in terms of giving clear clear guidance about how you intend to insert yourself into that space. That's correct. Yeah, and um, again, you know, we have the capacity to do some drilling on the uranium projects this winter as well. So, 
not to not to polarize it, but there's still those the capacity there.